When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Black Hereford Chronicles with Jen Hill. Join me for insightful conversations and interviews about our cattle industry. Here we discuss the shared struggles and successes of this life we've chosen as ranchers. Here, we seek to learn from the experts around us, eager to grow and challenge the accepted. Here we are, the Black Hereford Chronicles. Roadhouse Black Herefords had a great fall. John Rohde and I sat down together and chatted about his program plans and goals and what it is that he's building over there at Roadhouse Black Herefords. Let's dig in. But before we dig into that, I've got some sale updates to bring you. The Kentucky's finest sale was last month. The Black Hereford Bulls averaged just over $3,400. There were a ton of different types of female lots, so I'll just give you a few of the highlights. The fall bred heifers averaged just under $2,700. The three-in-ones averaged $4,400. And the show prospects averaged just over $2,000. Congratulations to those guys down in Kentucky. Make sure you stay tuned at the end of the Roadhouse interview to hear all about Smith Black Hereford's signature sale in December, where you will get sneak peek at the lots they're offering and all the inside information on the signature Black Hereford sale. Demand was hot last weekend for Schrader's Black Herefords, but if you missed your chance to grab some of those genetics, don't panic. There's still a few bulls available private treaty, but they are going fast. You want a program that takes their job seriously, that tracks and monitors all of the data that's in this to build real, functional cattle that work and that is dedicated to the American Black Hereford. You want Schrader's Black Herefords. With a program focused on maternal and carcass traits cattlemen need and a drive to serve their loyal customer base, it's no wonder they sell out so quickly. Schrader's yearling bulls aren't going to be available much longer, so make sure you've taken a look. You can give Jason a call at 573-680-1439 or check out their website, Schrader's, that's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-S, SchradersBlackHerefords.com. And make sure you follow them on Facebook, where you can learn a lot, not just about their cattle, but about Black Herefords in general. Thanks for tuning into yet another episode of the Black Hereford Chronicles. I've got a fellow Black Hereford breeder here today, and we are just going to kind of chat about all things Black Hereford. I'm really excited to have John on. Um, I think given the events of the Royal 
last month. Uh, I think he's a name that you've probably heard by now. But John, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about who you are. All right. Well, my name is John Rohde. I'm, uh, I guess, the main guy at Roadhouse Black Herefords and been breeding Black Herefords for about, I guess, nine years now and and love it. Just kind of seeing where it's all evolving for me and for the you know, for the breed and enjoying where it's going and, you know, totally have a passion for it. And as I'm sure we all do, but I uh, just really just want to see the breed succeed and be a, you know, a super <clears throat> go-to for commercial cattlemen and, you know, and things of that nature. So, so where are you located at? Uh, we're in Indiana. Central Indiana is where I live at, just outside of Indianapolis. And uh got our live on a farm here and we've got a farm also in southern Indiana, which is about two hours south of home and so it's kind of Midwest, but looking to hopefully relocate soon, but you know, nothing nothing's in the works as of yet. That's a lot of work. It is. I know that you guys have just been through that, and uh, I I can only imagine. <laughs> so what, did you have background in the cattle industry before you got into Black Herefords, or, or how did you wind up in cattle in general? Well, on the farm right here, it's been in the family since the 1800s, and there's been cattle on it ever since, and we've, uh, you know, the there's not a day gone by where there's not been in my life. Anyhow, there's not been cattle here at home. And, uh, you know, about, I guess, nine years ago, I decided to, you know, quit getting docked when you go to sell your calves and cause they weren't all black hided, you know, there's a majority of them that were, but, but not, you know, you, you're always getting hit at the market. So we decided just to go black Hereford for the docility because we're so close to the city limits here. And, and, uh, you know, if cattle were to get out, you know, just wanted something a little more mild mannered. And we've always had, you know, Herefords here. And I just kind of wanted to stick with that, just change the hide color. And, uh, so I've grew up with cattle my whole life and, and, uh, you know, obviously it's it's in our blood or we wouldn't do it, especially with today's market. But, uh, you know, it's just something I've always been around and since I could walk and even before then. So nine years ago, you got into Black Herefords. How did you even find them? I'm always really curious how people hear about Black Herefords. That's a good question. I'm to be honest, I'm not even sure how I stumbled upon it. Um, I guess remember reading about it or hearing about it. I'm sure I read about it in some fashion. And the more I read about it, the more I was intrigued. And that guess led to, a, I guess, knew that that was, you know, it just grabbed me. It just totally grabbed me. And uh, I knew that's the direction I wanted to go. I wasn't sure how to go about getting in, you know, we're starting to go that route. So I do what I think we all do. And we, 
we try to find a good black Hereford bull and just started, started from there. And, uh, you know, I've loved it ever since. It's definitely, there's a learning curve to it. Um, especially you want to, you know, you want to breed, you know, top shelf stuff or good stuff. And it, the, it takes a while with cattle to figure out what's good and what's not. And, and uh, you know, but I've enjoyed the, the ride so far and it's been, uh, it's been fun. So did you start out then running that black Hereford bull on your commercial cows? Yes. Yes. And there was, I had quite a few registered Herefords and some commercial, you know, red Herefords and uh, just really loved what I seen out of them. And, you know, it was, it was a neat process and, you know, that's just where it started. He was a hetero black bull and, you know, I'll never forget my first, my first black calf out of a registered Hereford. It, uh, I was, I was on cloud nine. I just did. I feel it felt like I was just doing cartwheels, you know, for the, for, you know, for the next couple of weeks, but it was great. I felt like I really did something and, you know, it's just an awesome process and the calves out of the, you know, out of my other commercial herd that weren't red or whatnot, you know, they, they just look great. And the temperament on them was, you know, just exactly what I was looking for. And, uh, you know, just fell in love with it and just ran with it. And here we are nine years later and don't regret it for a second. So you've gone from just buying a black Hereford bull to run on your commercial cows to kind of getting into what I would call seed stock for the seed stock, right? You had a heifer that did extremely well at the Royal what would you say your breeding philosophy is now as you're trying to put together these black Herefords? What are the things that you're really aiming for? Uh, that's a good question, but it's, it's solid in my mind what I'm after. Um, I love the F1s. That's my backbone. That's my foundation. I love making just the best F1 you can and, and building off that with no other outer influences in it, except what you put in that F1. And then, you know, from there, I I throw the best Red Bull I can at it, you know, both phenotypically and EPD wise. And, and hopefully you get something special out of it and, you know, and, and then stone down the line from there. But I, I love building that, that foundation with that F1 and, that's that's where it's at for me is that's what makes something special in my mind is that F1 and and going you know going forward with that are there any selection pieces that you tend to prioritize i found it's one of the really cool things about doing this podcast is that i get to talk to people all over the country very different regions and it's so interesting to hear about how they have to focus on some different things in different areas because they're all facing challenges that other people don't have to think about. You know, we at our old place were very rocky feet were never an issue. We get out here in the sand and now I've got to pay closer attention to feet because they just don't wear naturally like they would. 
There are some things that just are different based on your environment. Are there any selection pieces that you found you have to prioritize? I like, I like, I love cows that you, you, you know, low input costs. Yes. You know, I mean, that's huge for me is I want a cow that's going to be able to perform well with no alfalfa, no legume at all, just no feed, just straight grass, just plain grass hay. And, and, and they're going to condition well on that. And you don't need to, you don't need to baby them. I don't, I, I can't stand babying my cows and, you know, to keep their condition scores up. I, I like them a six year round with minimal input effort. And that's what I breed for. That just, it seems like where we're at, it, I'm, this last year was, was horrible as far as, you know, our hay crops. It just got cold in the spring and the grass didn't grow. You'd think, and, you know, in March, he's going to, is going to be a, just a boom year for hay production, but it, the temperatures fell off and the, the grass just didn't grow around here. And you never got that huge surge in the springtime we normally do. And, and just, hay is just almost impossible to come across you know, in my area. So it's huge for me is they, they've got to be able to perform just straight on grass. Hey, excuse me while I sneak in here to tell you about Walter's cattle farm, Robert and Sandy Walters own and operate Walter's cattle farm in Kentucky. This is a family and an operation that has been huge and longtime supporters of everything. American black Hereford. If you're looking to add muscling and depth to your herd, Robert is definitely someone that you need to talk to. You can find Walter's Cattle Farms on Facebook or reach out to Walter at 270-832-1180. When do you calve? Are you a spring calver? Yeah, I, I was running two groups for a while, but it, it's just difficult, you know, to run run two groups. You need so many separate lots and separate pastures and I'm just not set up for that where I'm at. So I just do springs right now. I hear you. We are spring calvers for our commercial herd and then fall calvers on our registered herds. And it's just like never ending. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how people do two calving groups. I mean, hats off to you guys because it's, you know, that's a, that's just a major ordeal. Well, some of that comes back to like what we were talking about earlier about making sure that you know your operation and selecting that way. So for us, calving ease is real big. You know, we can't have a cow that's going to have to be babied her way through calving because it's just too much. It's not an option. Right. right. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm, I probably pay more attention to most or try to when it comes to my heifers calving. And, you know, you never want to have you know, have calving difficulties, some pop up unexpectedly, you know, you get a leg back or whatever. And there's, it just takes a simple assist to get that calf out or whatnot. And, but I I hear you, it's, it's rough. And I've got a, another herd that's, or not another herd, my older cows, I keep down at the least two hours away. And if they, they've got problems down there, I usually let the older girls have on their own and the younger ones I try to get back home so that I can keep a good eye on them and uh 
you know, you always worry about, I lost one of my best F1s, you know, this past spring because she had a leg back and tried calving and got stuck and couldn't get it out. And I, you know, my mom was just diagnosed with cancer and I, my priorities weren't running down south to check cows like I typically would. And I couldn't even get all of them home. I normally would anyhow, but I, uh, you know, lost some, but that's, that's part of it. You know, sometimes life just gets in the way and, and, uh, you know, you just deal with what you can. Well, and it's always the best one. We had a donor cow this fall that just got herself upside down in a sand pit. And that was that (laughs) it's always something. Right. It is. It is. I could go on for days about catastrophes you'd never think could happen to a cow or calf. And, yep. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure I've never seen it, you know, never seen much compared to most. But it's it's still, you know, never really let your guard down because the unexpected can always happen. So what are you hoping to do from here? What are your goals? Um. I feel I've got a great foundation for, you know, my F1s and I still love making those and, and putting out, you know, top shelf genetics that that's going to really, and and my goal and my, you know, I'm only in cattle for a short while, you know, we're not, we're not here for, for long and who knows how long you can make cattle and I'm going to try to do, do the best to like help the breed out and kind of make a mark on it and you know hopefully you know 10 years down the road people may look back and say man that bull that roadhouse put out was man he was something special and uh he really may have helped the breed kind of evolve or whatnot and and uh you know that's the goal haven't got there yet by any means but you know that's i think that's what you know maybe we're all searching for is to help that breed out, you know, because one thing's for certain, my pocketbook's always going to look pretty bare. My account can tell you that, but I, uh, I know that my dream is to like help better this breed, and that's that's kind of my goals is to, you know, to help push this along a little bit. And it's, you know, like I said, when I f- first learned about it, I I fell in love with it, and uh. You know, I still do. I've got a super strong passion for Black Herefords and just want to make the best I can with, you know, that F1 being my foundation and just kind of, you know, go with it. Well, I would say you're well on your way towards that with that heifer you had this fall. Tell us a little bit. So you had the high selling heifer at the Royal. Tell us a little bit about her. Uh, She was special. I didn't really know how special she was. Bobby Singleton was in the area and wanted to stop by and chat and wanted me to show some cows off. So I was like, sure, stop on by. And he did, you know, and he walks around. And he keeps talking about this Houston heifer. And I, uh, I thought she was nice. I didn't, you know, but she was pretty young at the time. It was, I can't remember when he stopped out. She was a couple months old. And I think he really, he really had an eye for at that time. And, and, uh, you know, I thought I had some that were just as, as good, but you know, I'm, I'm no, I'm no Bobby Singleton, you know? So he, uh, 
he kept on me about it and and she was she's bred nice um has just i can't say enough about her damn and she's out of sav america and you know and a, a cow that i just love to death and which is you know the donor for all the sisters i've got seven sisters that are cookie cutters you know they're just absolutely identical and but i bred that that one to houston which you know at the time i haven't you know you hadn't really heard much about them and haven't seen very many calves if any on the ground yet and i just loved his phenotype and his he just had a walk that was you know just put you in a trance and i was like that's you know i like that bull a lot you know and it clicked and uh that's just kind of what we're looking for something that really clicks and and that one did and you know the rest is kind of history it obviously had some people that really liked her and and uh you know i feel that she's a great a great breeding piece for hopefully somebody's program or ground zero farms is where she's at now but hopefully you find her and and a pedigree for some great bull sometime that helps us improve this this breed even more and and that's that's my goal is to you know use that as a key breeding piece for you know something better down the road so one question that i love to ask people is how they go about choosing their herd sires ah ah that's that's hard it's it is right because a herd sire almost has to be everything, right? I, I find it easier to sit down and figure out who I'm going to AI to. Yeah. That's right. Because it, it, yeah, that's the easy part. The herd sire, picking your herd sire is much more challenging because he really does have to be kind of a jack of all trades. He's got to have like a strong, you know, you, you want to think you can retain heifers off of him. So you got to make sure that his, maternal calving ease is there but you want good growth and sometimes those two just don't coincide as well as what you would think you yeah if you're going to keep heifers back you definitely want a herd sire that's going to throw the milk at them and there's just so much that go you that you definitely want something deep ribbed and with the big hipped and and you know i've got a lot of horn cattle and so I, he's going to have to be homopoled and there's just so much that goes into it. You don't want something that's going to throw huge calves, but I like a moderate, you know, a moderate weight calf. And and yeah, uh, I think that that's it's it's interesting to see where that birth weight is going. You know, in the last oh, probably twenty years or so, we saw especially on the Angus side that birth weight pendulum swing so low that it yeah. to me is scary low. Yeah, and, and I believe that's yeah. what. Or go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's just I. I think we're starting to see it kind of tick back. I think that there's been a little bit of a, a red flag that's been waved. That you know, I mean, I see guys out there talking about 45 pound calves, and that's scary. Yeah. You know, it's time to to correct. Yeah, there's. I'm not a huge fan of the, a small calf like that. You know, it's it causes problems and 
I'm not, you know, it almost tanked the Angus industry with such small birth weights. And there's people who swear by small birth weight. And if they don't have, I mean, I, I love a calf that'll come out spry and get up and want to milk and or nurse. And, and if you can do that at 80 pounds, that's, that's what I'm after. But exactly. If you come out at 55 or 60 or you know, which I had some this last spring and they were great. They got up nursed and they were as spry as any calf I've ever had. Um, but that's not, I wouldn't say that's the norm with a, a low birth weight calf. Right. You know, sometimes you've got to watch them and, and uh, you know, you think they're never going to take off. And even though they're, you know, two months old, you got, other two month old calves that are twice their size or whatnot. And it's just, I'm not, not a huge fan of a, a low birth weight bull or, you know, extremely low. Uh, I'd love you know, to, to dig into on something you said in there. That's been a conversation around our place a lot lately. You mentioned that you've got some horned cows. And so being homo polled is important to you. Talk to me about horns. Why do you want to make sure that you're throwing some homopold on them? What do you see in your market area as far as horns? Yeah, I can't sell horn cattle or horn bulls around me. It's for whatever reason, you know, people don't want to pay the 15 bucks to get their horns knocked off. So you, you just, you'll have a, you know, you'll have a guy that just strictly wants, you know, either a skirt bull at the worst or a polled bull, you know, or preferably mm -hmm. a, a homo polled bull, which I hardly ever have, you know, homo polled, but it, uh, not saying I don't, but it's just not something that's super common. Um, you know, I've only got, I think I've got two herd bulls that, that I use here that are homo polled and the rest are, you know, hetero and I don't use any any horn bulls and nothing against that, but if I did have a horn bull, I'd probably want to make sure that, you know, all my cattle were homo or yeah, homopoled and so that at least, you know, the horns get knocked off on the calves. It's an interesting one to me because I think it's another one of those regional things. Where we were at out west before, all our cows were horned. Always had horned Herefords. You know, when we got into black Herefords, horns weren't something that we spent a whole lot of time worrying about or thinking about. And we run Angus too. So obviously there were plenty of pulled genetics in there as well. But since we moved out to the plains, that first commercial calf lot that we sold, we took a bigger hit on horns. And we've always dehorned all of our steer calves. Uh, but even on the heifers, we took a bigger hit discount wise for horned than we did for red. And that blew my mind because I had never seen that before. Out West, it right. just wasn't something anybody worried about. Horned cows were horned cows. It just wasn't a thing. And so there's a big debate right now at our place between Logan and I, shocking, I know, uh, about <laughs> where we take the future of our breeding program as far as horns go. I really believe that even beyond, you know, marketing these calves, I think at some point we will see our society shift in a way where 
dehorning without anesthetic is no longer an option for us. Right. You know, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of people out there who think that the way we handle animals isn't okay. They're wrong, of course, but they don't know. And unfortunately they're making the rules a lot of the time. So I just see a big shift towards pulled in our future. So it's always interesting to me to hear how other people see the horns in their area and how all of that is handled. Right. I, I don't know. I always want horned in my pedigrees. I can tell you that I always want to splash line one in my cattle. It just, I don't, you know, I'm not a, I never go after a full straight line one cow, but it seems like if you get a little splash in there somewhere, you know, a quarter to an eighth or a 16th, it seems like it just, it, it helps out. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the way it's hard because the growth is just better, you know, on these horns, right. it just is. Yeah. It's coming up though. The poles are, you know, the homo poles are, they're really getting to the point where it's pretty consistent with the horns now. And, and, uh, but you know, I, I've got a lot of line one in my genetics and mm-hmm. in my red, Her- red Herefords and, the ones that I, I do have line one in there somewhere, they, I mean, they're spot on. They can be either horned cattle or, or they can be homo polled or whatever, but, and you know, and the, the horns got bred out of them, but they're spot on. They're, they're great milkers or calving ease maternal is just there. They're sleep all night kind of cattle and their daughters are the same way. And it just, I don't know the, you know, they're big hipped and rugged and just love them. But I, you know, I just have problems where I'm at selling with horns. Yeah, we do too. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, I really appreciate that you took some time out of your morning. I know that you are a busy guy. So thank you so much for sitting down and giving us all some insight into your program and what it is that you're building up there at Roadhouse. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jen. I sure appreciate it. If people want to check out your program a little bit more, where should they go? I've got a Facebook page, you know, for just the cattle or whatnot. I'm not a huge social media guy. I got on there to try to promote that heifer, you know, and did some things. And I'm always, you know, I think everybody's looking to see what what's out there on Facebook or whatever avenue. I know Instagram's huge, but I got a Roadhouse Black Herford Cattle uh, Facebook page that you know I put some stuff on on occasion and and uh, you know I just put a little shot of my F ones on there this morning um, just because I had them in a, a a small pen that you know I can take a little video of them or whatnot but I uh, you know that's that's about it just Facebook and I'm always you know, my door's always open if anybody ever wants to come visit. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Jen. I sure appreciate it. Smith Black Herefords is proud to debut the signature Black Hereford sale through Ag Sale Day on December 10th. Let's hear from Jacob about everything you need to know for their upcoming sale. 
this is going to be our first ever uh, online sale here at Smith Black Herefords uh, on December 10th on Ag Sale Day. We will be hosting the uh, signature Black Hereford sale. In our sale, we'll have a select group of open show heifer type prospects, uh, a couple bred heifers, and then a few bull prospects, herd bull type prospects in there as well. Um, we've got uh, a few special guests that you know breed black herefords here in Iowa. Uh, Longview Farms, Don Harden, will have uh, a couple of bred heifers, uh, cow calf pair or so, and possibly a bull. And then uh, the Sweeting family in Eastern Iowa will have some lots in there as well. So looking forward to trying to start something. I think we've got. A lot of good quality here in Iowa. We are, are small word number in breeders, but I think we've got some good ones up here. So but it'll open up at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. Bidding will take place through the day, and I think uh, it goes into horse-style horse racing auction there at about 7. Um, and then they do their, you know, after X amount of minutes with no bids and the sale will close. A lot in the open heifer division that I'm kind of excited about is uh, – We've got uh, two full sisters out of uh, Barstar Fresh Prince uh, by our one night stand donor. Um, the one night stand donor is a donor that she uh, she's a pretty different creature. Um, she was a reserve national champion as just a like a five month old calf. Uh, she just kind of built differently. But these uh, Barstar Fresh Princes would be maternal sibs to uh, the reserve percentage heifer at Sammy Neth one with at junior nationals Royal. She was Supreme junior heifer at the junior national or at the junior show at Louisville. Uh, pretty excited about these guys. They're just kind of way different built. Um, we're going to offer choice lot on those two full sibs. Uh, we've got the 31 heifer that we call goggles. Uh, she was down at the Royal. Um, she was a reserve division down there. They're pretty much how I like to mark them. They're two black goggly eyes with white faces and black to the ground. Uh, built really super nice on that one. Um, she's a little more feminine. Then we go into uh, the 36 effort, which personally is, is my favorite. Um, she's a little green, a little more rugged in her build and her type. But, I mean, she's kind of got the mass. She's, she's wide, but she's uh, Honky Tonk Flame is her name. Uh, but she's one that I think is get her get her out and get some get some more pounds on her. I think she really excels and she's even changed a lot since we've had her down at the Royal. Dad and I go back and forth on those two heifers on which ones we like the best. One week it's the 31 heifer, next week it's 36. Um so that's kind of the exciting lot for us, uh, especially to have two full sibs like that that are that equal of quality and there's a lot of directions you can go with them. We had uh we had a purebred heifer down at the Royal, if you didn't see her, out of uh, our uh, cow called Rita, Rita 9H. Uh, that Rita 9H cow was a champion open purebred heifer at Congress that first year. Um, this girl here is by uh, the Charlie Adams' leader bull. I uh, feel like she's, a, she's one that has a lot of good genetics in her name, if you trace her back. Her grandsire or one of her grandsires on the bottom side is actually a full sib to the famous Rita 79Z out of the ward program. Um, she's one that's just going to be packed full of muscle. So, and she's going to make a terrific, terrific mama cow. Uh, I think, and I think that's going to be a hard one to, to let go from the farm. So, but other than that, um, <clears throat> the HX female we got in the sale, she's just kind of a well-built kind of cow power type female. 
Um, she comes out of a, out of a, she's triple your miles daughter. If you've seen enough of those, I think, I think you got to like those a little bit for the look. And then she's out of a Stevenson's declaration F1 that we got running around the farm here. We got a couple other, you know, just kind of have open heifer prospects along with, uh, two fall ready to breed age open heifers, uh, from our friend at, uh, JRFC farms. I know he's not in Iowa, but I tell you what, he might as well be because he's just five miles off the Iowa border. And Jim actually raised the Supreme champion female at, uh, the Royal last year. So we're excited about that. He's got a HX by miles ahead. And then we've got a, an F1. We're trying to get him to take all those good red Herefords of his and convince him to keep going, breeding them black Hereford. So he's got a F1 and that he'll be offering as well. So, but as far as bread heifers, uh, I got a couple good, good solid bread heifers out of our program. Um, you know, mom says we can't keep all of them, but so we're trying to offer a couple good ones. And then, like I said, Don's got those cows, cows and cow calf pairs, with some heifers, bread heifers as well. Um, kind of an exciting lot for us too on the bull side. Uh, I've got a just a yearling bull coming in. Um, he's out of our 2053 donor cow that we showed at Congress. Uh, she's he's homozygous black, homozygous pulled purebred. I think everybody's got to appreciate that and it's got to take notice to that, especially one that's a little different genetic um, when you when you break it all down. So he's a he's a leader son by that by a uh, triple your miles uh, classic times wasted. So a lot of a lot of good red Hereford genetics in that guy as well. So we're going to offer a junior member incentive to uh, junior members that purchase any open heifers and take them and show them uh, the dollar amount. We're still kicking around exactly, but we're going to kind of kick back some money to the juniors, you know, depending on how, when you, how you show them and how well they do and things like that. We're just trying to maybe create some more interest, especially for those juniors. Cause we feel that's pretty important for our breed. We're, we're excited about that. Like I said, a dollar amount, we're still kicking it around, but I think it, it would most definitely be well worth the junior's time to, to, to get one purchase. So December 10, uh, ag sale day. Uh, you know, if you got any questions, you can give us a call. You can give me a call at 641-521-9947. Shoot me a message, call me. You can call my dad. I know it. usually he goes, well, you just talk to Jacob. He knows a lot more than I do. Um, you know, we're going to have a couple embryo lots, semen lots in there as well. But, uh, I mean, I think this is going to be a sale that I don't think you're going to want to miss it. I mean, a lot of good opportunities. I think, not trying to brag, but I think we've got a pretty proven track record for some things, especially for the 15, 16-year history that we've been raising Black Herefords. Um, you know, finally, we feel that this is probably the first year that we've got a good enough quality throughout the whole entire herd that we can let go some of these really good females like this. So. Not saying these ones are the best ones or not, but we feel that this offering is pretty, pretty darn special. If you want to know more about the signature sale or Smith's offering in that sale, you can find Smith Black Herefords at smithblackherefords.com on Facebook, or you can reach Jacob at 641-521-9947. Thanks for listening. You can get in on the conversation over at our Facebook page at Black Herford Chronicles, where we'd love to hear from you. Of course, don't forget to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.